Hi, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm Rob Alvarez. And this is Kathy Wynn. Each week, we aim to bring you amazing stories from everyday people who are taking on life's challenges, both big and small, and along the way, doing good for others. We hope you enjoy these intimate conversations, and thank you so much for listening. In this episode, we sit down with Julie Benson to chat about her journey to realizing the importance of connection and serendipity. Julie is a two-time Boston Marathon qualifier, mother of two boys, wife of a SWAT officer, and a full-time school guidance counselor with a master's degree in mental health and school guidance counseling. Please enjoy our heartwarming conversation with Julie on how she juggles it all and puts running, family, health, and friendship into perspective. Hi, Julie. Welcome to our first ever episode of our podcast. So happy to have you here. Uh, actually, I've been so looking forward to having this conversation for a bit now since we've started talking about this. So I'd like to start off with maybe if you could tell us the story of how you and Kathy met. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be your first guest. This is very exciting. Um, so I love telling the story about how I met Kathy because every time I tell it, people are just, I think, inspired and um it's just such a beautiful story. So I was, I ran or was lining up for the Chicago marathon in 2018 and I was in one of the corrals and because it's such a large marathon, you're waiting for a while. And I looked over and there was just this adorable, like smiley (laughs) woman right next to me who just seemed like someone I could kind of chit chat with to help, you know, pass the time. And, um, you know, when you just sort of have this instant bonding connection with someone, I felt like that was what happened with us. We just passed the time and talked and we both had the same type of shoes. And that was pretty cool. That's definitely how I, I noticed you was you were... Well, first of all, you were in a sports bra, and I was like, wow, she's just like me. She hardly wears anything when she runs a <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning race. But but definitely the Newtons, because not, not many people wear it. So I was like, yes, we have another <laughs> Newton fan. So, of awesome. course, I had to come and approach you. It was so great. And then we... Um we started running together once the race started and I felt like we were side by side for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually as many large marathons do, you know, we lost each other in the crowd and I definitely thought about her throughout the race and later that day. And it was one of those things you just kind of like wondered how that person, you know, finished and, you know, just where they were at. Um, and then I, we just lost touch. And then the next day I was at the airport, um, sitting with the friends who I traveled with and I look over in the cafeteria and there's Kathy, like a few tables over with her like group of friends. So I ran right over and I like, couldn't believe like with the timing and the serendipity, which I'll get back to that word later about Kathy being right across the way. And instantly when I saw her I ran over and we hugged and I was like how was your rice and race and she's like it was crappy and I'm like oh my god mine was too and we both (laughs) cried like tears but then like hugged and so it was just like we were both again in the right place at the right time um and I just felt this amazing connection to her that I kind of was joking but serious I said hey listen I'm running another marathon in like three weeks you're already trained up I know like we don't know each other but like why don't you get on an airplane and fly and stay at my house with my family and you can try again and it was like crazy idea but like not crazy yeah and there was never a moment where I was like she could be a psycho creeping me but you know but and, and the funny part too was I was also thinking about you. I had, you know, I had 
as you know, I had a heartbreak Chicago marathon, and I actually tried to find you that night. Um, you know, on the results, but there's because you remembered I was Julie was from New about, Hampshire. There was just so many Julies, and I think at that point I was still heartbroken, and I, I just didn't. I just didn't want to look because mm-hmm. just in case, I know this sounds really selfish, but I, I'm going to own it uh, because just in case you did make yours, I didn't want to feel even worse. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, that that obviously went away. Um, and it was just, yeah, it's just amazing till this day. I, I, I get a little um, emotional well, when I think back about so many it. Memories because exactly. every race has this journey and yeah. story and, you know, and it's like, what are the odds of two people from different parts of the country that are standing side by side and have this connection. Um, and so, you know, this is sort of a, like giving the end of the story, but like Kathy came, she went on an airplane <laughs> and she flew to New Hampshire and stayed with my family. And I'll say like, it was like a little, my husband, I think like wanted to spend more time with Kathy than me. <laughs> we just, she was just so part of our family so instantly. And we ran the race together and, you know, formed even tighter current relationship yes. and bond and um and so what's really cool is that then a few months later Kathy said you should come to Philly to run the Philly marathon and stay with my family so of course that was totally natural and I am sitting right here in Kathy you know in Rob's house <laughs> having right, you know our, this is our, our studio our which studio. is uh, our family room so which, so you know, when I first, I was blown away when I first heard that story. I was like, you know, who's this lady that just says, hey, yeah, come over, you know, fly on over. You can stay with us. And you're like, you know, to a stranger. You, and I hadn't asked my husband you, yet either. You meet, <laughs> you meet at a, you know, at a race. And I, just for also your family to, to all your entire family to welcome Kathy. It just kind of shows so much about, about who you are. Thank you. But, you know, so kind of wanted to kind of, Dig into that's like where does that come from? Where you, you just are so open to you know when you meet somebody to open and say hey, um, come stay with us, you know in our home and try to reach your goal again. Try to take another another shot at your goal. You know what I wanted to ask um, was when do you think this kind of started? This you know being open to meeting new people and to kind of new adventures. You know what or what what were you like as a kid? Were you always like this no (laughs) no I okay well I think I was always um social but I don't know that I was ever so open to like jumping in to and taking risks like that with a friendship um I mean I definitely have some pretty good lifelong friends but I don't know that I I I really had enough enough confidence probably then to to do that and put myself out there too um I think I kind of grew more into myself in my 20s and um, really started to choose like quality over quantity as well. And so finding like that really investing in a friendship was so more meaningful than just trying to be part of a crowd, but never being alone. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I've sort of changed my life into being that, you know, I'm okay with myself. Like I don't say I'm by myself. I say I'm with myself and that when I do surround myself with people, I want them to be positive and inspiring and real and, you know, all the range of, you know, feelings, but, um, but just like investing in a person and a friend. So I think just, that's why I knew with Kathy, it was just this like instant 
connection. Um, and then I, in that spiritual way, just believe that things happen really do sometimes for a reason, even heartache and like letdowns or setbacks, um, bring you to sometimes this different path that is just even more important. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with that. I think a lot of people will, you know, when you say everything happens for a reason, obviously, you know, some people are like, gosh, that's so cliche, but I really do believe, I mean, I still think back, I said, even if I was to run, you know, a a qualifying time, a Boston qualifying time, I think every decision that I made that night, how I felt to what time we would leave or where we would go and eat that morning, I Mm -hmm. think would be completely different. And so even though both of us had, you know, a heart, you know, it literally our heart ached yeah. in Chicago. It, I would, I truly have to say that I would never, I wouldn't have changed anything. Well, you know, when you people know? ask me about, when I talk about Chicago, I only think of you. Yeah. That's my only I, association. Exactly. I don't think anymore about like, wow, I really didn't reach the goal. I was like, yeah. I met Kathy in 2018. Exactly. Like it, that it, was the best PR I could have gotten. Exactly. <laughs> it, absolutely. I, I feel I, it's like I a love fest feel, over here. I know. <laughs> if you were in this room right now, you'd be gagging. You're like, golly, <laughs> this is this cannot be real. They're staging this, but we're we're really not. It's totally not. Um, no, but uh, it's just weird how our connection is because, like I said before, I I really never it never even dawned on me. I'm like, she could be really crazy, and <laughs> I know she has a family. And what is her husband going to think? Didn't know you. I didn't know you had two boys. I mean, we barely ran a mile together, I know. and yet, but still, again, um, just the fact that you know you can turn such a bad situation into again, like you said, you know, you think back at Chicago, and it's not I didn't make my time. Mm-hmm. It's you know I made a great friend, mm-hmm. and I think that's what um, you know. I think that's what I, I saw from that um, that marathon, and then of course you know flying out to New Hampshire, you know, a part of me was absolutely taking a risk in terms of, you know, will I be able to to run this time? But I think also I wanted to see how 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 our friendship would yeah. would grow. And and I'm so glad I did it. And of course with with the blessing of, you know, my my hubby here. Um so I'm I'm really glad. I'm just so grateful. So grateful for that day. Ah Serendipity. Yep. That is awesome. And I I also just I haven't met your husband yet. I know he's he's an, an awesome guy. But I know there was also a story after you guys ran the marathon in New Hampshire where I think your husband had to play doctor or something for Kathy. <laughs> This is crazy. This is where we knew. Well, so I have to be honest. So my husband, who's like, he reminds me a lot of you, Rob. He's just this like sweet, kind, like, you know, very uh, like kind of my yang to my ying. Like I'm just really type A, really emotional and excited all the time. And he's just this like very calming force and just, but he's the one in the kitchen like you that's, you know, doing the dishes and, and getting what I need and helping my friends. And so, but he's still, when I have friends over, he usually kind is in the shadows he kind of lets me do my thing he was drawn to Kathy as much as I was and it was unusual (laughs) for me because not every friend I bring home he wants to sit in the kitchen and like talk with he 
was fascinated by your history, your family, your, I mean, he still talks about you. And um, he was bummed that he couldn't come to hang out with Kathy. I was talking to him on the phone. He's like, tell Kathy I say hi. So um, anyway, back to when uh, Kathy had this like, really this like toe black toe toe situation um she needed someone to like put a needle in her toenail and like pretty much pop it and take the pressure out yeah Yeah. having some excruciating this was from you know prior to chicago and then of course three weeks later running loco it it, it took a toll it took a real big toll but eric was so willing to sit down with her because he felt like you know she was like our family and just propped her foot on you know whatever like table he needed to and got all the medical supplies out which was like burning the end of a needle and um and popped that like yeah yeah i have to give him so much credit for that it's yeah it's it's a that tells me a lot about who he (laughs) is right there that one one story foot that probably (laughs) if you look at any runner's feet they're not the best looking. <laughs> and I mean, he was just so careful and so genuine about it. And I, and I, yeah. you know, I have a neurosurgeon that I love that I run with every year, but I'm, I always consider Eric, his second job is, <laughs> is my toe neurosurgeon. Oh my gosh. It's that calm. It's like the personality It's <laughs> this calm, patient, yeah. like very detailed type of, uh, you know, way. I like to take um, step back a little bit. So, I guess, how did you get into running? I think running is a big part of your life now, and yeah. you know, I think as our conversation here has kind of surrounded running a lot. So, how did you get started with running? When did you get started with running? So, I was very late in like my adult, like late later in life. Um, I was not very athletic as a kid. I was more into musical theater and stage and dance and sing. And that's like my other passion. Um, so I wasn't ever athletic. Um, but when I was pregnant with my first son, Marty, who's now almost 13, I put on a bit of baby weight and like a lot of first time moms do when he was born, um, I just, I needed something to do for myself. What, cause he also had colic. And so he was a very challenging baby with his needs of colic for like four months and not sleeping well. And, um, I just, I had a hard time postpartum and I decided just to try running. So, uh, at the time I took our dog, uh, Greta and she loved the trails. So I just decided to take her into the trails and I didn't know what to expect with myself. It was, was like in 2000 and maybe seven. It was before I had a Garmin. I didn't really know about races, anything. It was like, I actually just went out and run like ran, like, like I had no, you know, I had no idea about distance. So I brought her, my dog and I'd watch her just run off leash and I would run, jog, run, jog, walk. Um, and then I just got more and more into it and realized more at a very, I guess, organic level of how um, wonderful I felt. It was so much about my body and seeing my body get into shape and to get strong and to notice like, oh, I think I ran further to that tree this time than I did the first time. Um, My real passion, I think, started about a year later when a friend told me about road races. And she's like, there's this five mile road race. You should really do it. I thought five miles felt like forever. I was like, five miles? I don't know if I've ever done five miles. So my husband, Eric, um, signed up with me, and we we went and we did it. And I think I beat him by like 10 seconds. It's the only time I've ever beat him. Um, <laughs> but it was like 
so exciting. And then I realized that it actually placed pretty well, not even knowing like, you know, the time, I think it was like an eight minute pace or something, not realizing what that even meant. But my friend was like, Oh, that was really good time. So then I just got hooked and I started to do five K's and 10 K's. Um, and then in 2011, I did my first half marathon and I decided to fundraise for, um, an organization that was important to me at the time or still is, but, um, I just needed a purpose to do the half marathon. And that was the most amazing experience ever. Just training for it and being there and reaching like an amazing goal. So then from there, I did a few halves. And then it was like, oh, a year later in 2012, I'm going to sign up for the marathon. And that my goal for my first was I wanted to break four hours. And I crossed the finish line and Three hours, 59 minutes, and like 53 seconds. Wow. We didn't even believe it. And there's a picture of Eric who jumped on to, into the corral, and he ran with me to right to the end Aww. and got me under my four. So, and then I was a one and done girl, right? One and done. That's all I want. Yeah, and I have, you know, now done 16 of those. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you'd think, oh, yeah, that's just something you wanted to cross off your bucket yeah. list or yeah. something. And but it just sort of like developed into something more it was it became so part of my my identity not my only part of my identity but a big part of me where I started to call myself a runner the first time I got a coach she referred to me as her athlete and I was like I'm an athlete (laughs) I've never would have ever I still feel funny even thinking that but like it was so wow I really am a runner and I am an athlete and I am you know doing wonderful like great things and I just like I just sort of kept pushing myself to new goals and meeting new people and realizing that this was the kind of the like the world I wanted to be in because it brought me such joy and happiness and it was something I tapped into that I just wanted to keep to be a part of in any way so so you know you are not only an athlete but you're you're also you know wife mother of two boys and um you know, your husband has a pretty demanding job as a uh, SWAT team officer. You also write a blog. And not only that, you work full-time also as a guidance counselor uh, or school guidance counselor. All these are very demanding. You also have to fit in running. Like, how do you, mm-hmm. how are you able to juggle all of these things? So it was a little bit iffy in the beginning because it was new and I didn't know how it was going to happen. And my kids were really young when I first started running. So I they were at the time... I think like two and four. And so I still had a little one in like a crib who like needed to, you know, come out. And so I remember trying really hard to train and it wasn't pretty all the time and it wasn't consistent and it took a lot of flexibility. And I remember after finishing the first marathon, um, my husband was also working nights at that point. So he would work midnights and he'd come home at seven in the morning and um, I, I would have to run like either when he got home, he would stay up an extra hour before he went to bed so I could go do it. Or he would, um, I, we had a treadmill and I would do whatever I could for the treadmill. I would hire babysitters at that time. If I, you know, in for a long run or recruit family that lived nearby to say, Hey, can you just help me out? There were times where, um, every weekend I would drive my kids to my mom's who was about an hour away and she would take care of them and I would go run around her neighborhood. Um, so I was, I had to be really creative and flexible. Um, 
Um, because when something's important, you make time for it. And that's something that was so important to me. And I was so lucky to have the support of my family and for them to be flexible and for Eric to make sacrifices. So when that first marathon was done and I wanted to do another, I think he was, and I too was a little overwhelmed with how can we sustain this like kind of routine? Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it was a lot of like, what are you willing to compromise? What am I willing to compromise? Um, and it was a lot of communication and we put a joint calendar together um, when, you know, your the Apple iPhone kind of came out that you could connect calendars. Yeah, share calendars. So yeah. I would put in my runs ahead of time so that we would just kind of know where we were each at. Um, so that was then, you know, many, many years have passed and my kids are older, so it's much easier. However, with working full time and Eric's still working midnights and crazy shift hours, I wake up pretty much every morning around 4.15 and I try to be out the door by quarter or five or five. So my more my midweek runs are usually about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And I'm home by me, no later than 6.15. So I can help my son get off to the bus by 6.45. So I have like out of that schedule. Um, weekends are easy because I can now leave my kids home alone um, for a bit. Or if Eric is home, it's easy too. But I'll still, even on a Saturday, get up at like 4 or 5 in the morning so that the majority of my runs are when everybody's sleeping. And I call those like the ghost miles that it's like the least impactful I can on my family because if they're not impacted too much, they keep supporting me. They're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I barely even know that you ran. Like, I'll come home at 8 in the morning and had just done 18 miles. And so their day is just starting. <laughs> so it's it's sacrifice, right? You make time for yeah. what's important. You carve out the time you can. It's not negotiable for me to run after work because as much as my kids could be alone, I need to be there for them. And that's important to me, too. Wow. Oh. That is, I, I can't imagine. I I know for a while I started training, you know, early in the morning too, and mm -hmm. that that is it's hard, really tough. It's dark, especially it's always dark. when it gets colder. If, if only the <laughs> listeners could see my face when Julie said four fifteen. Mm -hmm. That's when I go into deep sleep. <laughs> but you know, I mean, as as you mentioned, it's mm -hmm. all it's almost a second job. Yeah, you know, it's a, and I I give you so much credit and respect for making that time with your family. Uh, I'll have to be honest, you know, I, I think I'm spoiled by Rob here. He's, you know, and that's the other thing that our husbands have in common is that, you know, in order to have this joy, you know, it's so great and it's such a relief when they are supportive too. And they see that it's, it's important to you. Right. So I think we're lucky in, in yeah. both of that aspect. Um, but yeah, girl, I cannot, I, I, no, till this day, I cannot. I will wake up at four for a race, but not for a training run. <laughs> and I look at people who run after work and I'm like, how do they have the energy to do that? It's as baffling to me to see someone go out for a run at seven o'clock at night and be like, like I'm in my pajamas by then. So I'm definitely on the other end of that for sure. But again, it's, it's meaningful and enough to me that when I, I, the alarm goes off, my, I have a smile on my face most of the time. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like this is the this is the me time. This is what I do for me because then I'm much more available for my family later. Like I put my needs aside. I've done that. And now I can be there for breakfast for my son or I can, you know, in the evenings help with homework. Like I'm not missing. So I know um, that takes a lot of obviously dedication and you put the work into it. So what were your kind of goals at that time? You know, when you started to increase your distance and start running marathons, did did you have any specific goals you were striving for, you know, <laughs> why you were waking up at four in the morning for? So, you know, it's 
really been such a journey. My goals have changed so many times in the last like seven years. The first time it was just to finish and I had this arbitrary number of I want to break four hours because someone said that would be great, whatever. <laughs> um, and then after that, the second marathon I signed up for, I received a, um, a, a, a club, a run club entry into Boston 2013. And that was given to me for being an active member of the club and for other reasons. And, you know, and I had no idea that you had to qualify for Boston. I didn't know. I knew there was fundraising, but I was just like, oh, the Boston Marathon. A lot of people think there's only one marathon. It's like, oh, have you done the marathon? But I I didn't know much about it. That's how much of a newbie I was. I didn't understand the prestige of being part of that race. So I did. That was my second and as listeners know, if you're a runner, especially anyone, not even runners, Boston 2013 was the most horrendous, horrible, you know, um, experience for everybody, for the community, for the runners, for just the world. <laughs> um, I was stopped at around mile 25.8, which is like literally four or five minutes steps away from from the the finish finish. (laughs) and I hadn't trained as well for that one and it and the uh, Boston course is really really hard so Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared for those hills I went out too fast I did all the the newbie mistakes right and so um but what it did for me was um and that's a whole nother podcast is 2013 Boston being stranded there and the whole story around that, but, um, it brought, it ignited something in me that I, I felt even more connected to the running community and wanting to be part of it and to, to be, you know, brave and to run again and to return to Boston. And so the BAA granted all the runners who couldn't finish an entry into 2014. So my next thing was, okay, I got to be part of that. I need to finish this race. And I'm so lucky I get to go back. So I did go back and I did finish and I did meet another runner who helped me along the way. Like there's so many of these like amazing stories. And, um, and then after I finished 2014, I was like, you know what? I want to qualify. Like I want to be here because, you know, all the other reasons are great. Um, I think charity runners are like the uh, heroes for raising that much money. And, um, and I, I just, it's incredible. Like I think everyone who's there deserve that spot. I just wanted to try it in a different way. And so that became my goal. And so I worked really, really hard for about two years, um, probably four or five marathons to get to that qualifying Uh time. So that was a really intense two years. I got a running coach. I was trying everything and anything to get to my goal. And I, a few, one or two marathons, I think I missed it by 20 seconds or I missed it by a minute. So it was like, it was getting closer and closer. It also seemed like something so hard that I didn't know if I could ever do. Like, like, could I reach it? How far could I go on my tippy toes? Like it's, it's like my finger is brushing it. I'm almost there, but like I got, I, I, I'm so driven and so excited and it brought a lot of heartache along the way and a lot of tears and a lot of frustration. And, but I, it was like that, you know, you fall, you pick yourself back up, you fall, you pick yourself back up and I just needed to do it. Um, and then I had a disappointing race in 2016, um, in the fall in October. And then I have a friend, my friend Jeff, who lives in Pennsylvania, who said, fly out to Harrisburg, run the Harrisburg marathon, give it another go. Exactly what I did for Kathy. It was like that. (laughs) I had it first. So Uh I flew out there. I already met him and knew him, but, um, so, and I qualified in 2016 at the Harrisburg marathon and that 
I'll tell you was like the most amazing, incredible, life-changing thing. And, um, I'll never forget that race or that moment. And I kind of felt like once that happened, okay, I really am good, like for now. So my focus became Boston 2018 and trying to requalify again. And then what happened was I requalified again. And as listeners know, everybody wants to qualify for Boston right yeah. now. And they now just get faster and get, faster. People <laughs> get faster and faster and the interest is there. So like, just like me, I'm one of those people. Like I was like, oh, what's this? I want to try. And you try and try. So it became... Um, I, so I qualified again and then I missed the cutoff because, uh, 5,000 people got cut off who qualified because there just aren't enough spots in the streets to fill all of those qualified runners. And it was like this, oh, it was like, but I'm qualified. I, I don't get to do it. And Kathy, I know you can relate to that. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people It's can. like yeah. so hard because years ago you could actually qualify and get in like a month before the race. Like you registration didn't close September. It closed when they filled the spots. And so we've now entered this like bubble of time where there's just people all over trying to get in. And now so then what happened was then they re- we reduced the qualifying time by five minutes. So people, I turned 40 and was so excited to get five more minutes. You, you want to age up. I was you, in it. Try to qualify for Boston. I was in it for a hot minute. And then they yeah. like, and then they're like, Oh yeah, 40. Now I'm back down to where I was when I was 39. Um, and the time became even. So now, even if you ran a three thirty nine fifty nine, it's not good enough. Now you need two extra minutes, three extra minutes, five mm-hmm. extra minutes. So, I, my, my, I'm getting full circle to my journey is that I reached my goal and I decided I can't sustain this. And because what's it doing to me? I'm defining myself as a person, as a runner, as like, like, like any, like, why am I crying at the end of a marathon for being disappointed? It's like chasing like a bar (sighs) that keeps moving. Exactly. I was losing sight of when I was running in the trails with my dog, you know, I was losing sight of like, of how great I felt and how strong. And it was just like, it was driving me crazy and I wasn't happy. Like it took that joy. And it was kind of like looked at myself in the mirror and said, when will it be enough? Are you going to do this until you're, you, you know, you injure yourself so bad? Like, when is it enough? And you, and it was like talking to myself saying, you said it would be enough when you qualified and you did that. And then you qualified again. And now, you know, and so then I basically said, I called uncle and said, it's enough. So when did you come to that realization? Um, it, it was when I got shut out of the, my next Boston. Um, and I, and, and I was devastated and I felt bad. And I was like, I don't want to feel like that anymore because like you, Rob, when we were talking earlier, you were even saying that it's an arbitrary number. So what a year ago when I ran three forty one oh seven, I was a rock star. And then at the next one, I ran three forty one like 20 something. And now I'm, 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 I'm not good enough. And it's like, and I'm defining myself and I'm like, I can't, do that anymore like we're talking 20 second difference and now one was like good enough and the other is you're not good enough so I decided to remove the label and to take the pressure off and just say you know I'm I'm not that's not my goal and still people even today are like are you trying to qualify and I'm like no so my my transformation started that I wanted to try to run with and for others um I I 
was a pacer um, like a year later for the Maine Coast Marathon. I was a 415 pacer. And it was the first time I ran a marathon. And I was like looking around. And I was like, oh, look at that beautiful tree. And oh, the, the, the birds are flying. Stopping and smell, is everyone else? And I look behind me at my at the group. And I'm like, is everyone feeling this? And they're just staring at me. And I'm like, oh, right. I remember like when I'm in a pace group, like, you know, stop being so cheery and chip. Like, you know, like, we're in pain. <laughs> we're in pain. Stop talking to us. So I was like, oh, wait. Okay. But I took in the experience. And I also was such joy seeing, you know, those people cross their goal, you know, and, um, and then from there, I just started having friends that were like, oh, I really want to reach this goal. And it was a pace that I'm comfortable running. I'm like, I'll run it with you. And then the first time I was like, wow, that was amazing. My sister who lost 120 pounds, like she's incredible, wanted to run a half marathon. And so she was also my, one of my first half marathon that I got to pace. And it was like, so much joy and love and tears to get her over that goal. And then it was like, now I get requests, which is awesome. So I've now paced two friends through marathons. And like, I'll tell you, I'm enjoying every mile. And it, I love getting them across that finish line. And so um, that's my journey. And it's such a win-win situation. It Don't is. you think you're doing so much good? You're, it's almost like it. I almost feel like it's a selfish act on your part. It Julie. is a little, of course. Because you feel so good, mm-hmm. but yet you know you are you are giving them such a tremendous goal. Well, and I know? and the selfish part, or maybe it's not selfish, but I got yeah. back my joy. Yes, and like and my and it's like you know my finish times. You know, like we had talked about this earlier. People looking and saying, "Oh, that was a four twenty marathon," and I want to be like, "Wait, me? I was pacing someone," and I'm like, "No, no. there's no explanation." I'm like. I ran a marathon today yeah. and my friend did too. And like, look at him, her. And, and I've now one of the half marathons, uh, the friend said, I want to, this is my goal time. And I'm actually a really good pacer, by the way. I'm like <laughs> on the minute on the, the, like, I'm, I'm good. I'm consistent. I'm anal like that. And my friend, I got her under 30 seconds of her goal. Like she was starting to struggle a little. And I was like looking at the clock, looking at the time and we, she got in and that was like, like it was my PR. It was awesome. Yeah, I think that's something our listeners really should pay attention to because, you know, I think a lot of people, you th- when you're in sort of the thick of things trying to achieve a goal for yourself, you think this is what's going to bring me the biggest joys reaching yeah. this goal. But then you realize at the end of it, because I, I think I've seen that from other people, either whether it's business or mm-hmm. other field of work where they think, oh, it's you know, achieving the success for myself. And then when they turn to helping others and sharing kind of their gifts, that they end up gaining a much deeper kind Richer. of joy. Yeah. I think it's a, a much more genuine kind of happiness. And it, and it intertwines with what I do professionally. I'm a mental health counselor and I work with children and, you know, I just, I, I help them through those tough times. And I'm totally a running nerd as I use marathons as a lot of my sort of like comparisons or, you know, to say, listen, like, you know, you're at mile like 12 or 18 or whatever. And this is the hard part. Like, or I'll explain, like I've, I've experienced that too, or just seeing that intertwining of like, things don't always go perfect all the time. You're going to hit some rough spots. And then you say, what's your choice? Are you going to like, and sometimes the choice is the hard one or it's, the difficult one or it's the one you don't, I don't know. It's just, you just, it's about the journey. And like, I think helping others and seeing them through those different phases of that marathon is kind of like when I work with kids and seeing them through different phases of their kind of healing. And so 
I think that's why I enjoy it so much. And that's where I tapped into what also brings me joy. So uh, earlier, Kathy mentioned you guys did just come back today from the Philadelphia Marathon. I know this one you kind of wanted to to do for yourself, kind of mm-hmm. run for yourself. Um, but I know you've been battling through some injuries mm-hmm. and didn't quite go as as you had maybe hoped or planned. Yeah. But f- how was it for you out there today? And, you know, you're getting me really raw because we're talking like the e- the day of. And so I'm actually really grateful that we're talking about it today because I think you're going to, you know, I might even cry a little bit, but you're going to see like my heart on my sleeve with this one. So um, I have been, I ran, I paced a friend about three or four weeks, four weeks ago at a, at a marathon. And I was using that as my training run, but an opportunity to, you know, help him. And, um, there's quite a bit of miles in the trails and it was a rainy day and pretty sure I, I must've tweaked something in my calf. Um, cause I was sore for a little while and I took some time off, but then when I returned to running it, I felt like something kind of like a snag in my calf. So, um, so the last few weeks I've been kind of on and off. Um, and I was hopeful that by the time I'd come here, that it would be clear and I'd be good to go. I went to see a PT and, you know, he gave me the green light to try, but warned me to say, if you start to feel any pain, you, you know, stop because you could take a two or three week recovery into three or four months. Um, it could be a strain into a, a tear. So I, However, um, so I came here definitely with various options uh, or scenarios that could happen. I really wanted the scenario where I ran and it was amazing and epic and I didn't have any pain. Um, You know, plot twist. (laughs) That didn't happen. Um, But I have to say I am in such a good place right now. And I'll tell you why is that I did a few things for myself. One is I prepped and previewed. I, 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 like I teach this to kids when, when you go into a a situation, what's your plan? Let's preview it. Let's walk through it. That's a really good counseling technique or mental, like anything is you prepare. So it works well if you're, if you have anxiety, you know, you, you talk it out, you walk through it. So I had different scenarios and the scenario that, that was going to be was I was going to come and this was actually the same for all of them. I was going to see my beloved friend, Kathy. I brought my friend, um, I have another friend, Dana, that joined us, which was just sort of a last minute like addition, which ended up being amazing. I'm going to a place I've never been to before. So this is all the same scenario. And I get to spend a weekend with Kathy and and, um, see another friend, Jeff, and hang out with Dana. There are all these people here waiting for me. So I was like, no matter what, um, this weekend to me wasn't only about the marathon. It was a big part. It was the centerpiece. But there's actually other things going on right now, too. And so I promised myself I wasn't going to stay hyper-focused on that because I've done that before. And I have too many important people around me to not take in the joy and of that. So then the scenarios kind of change where I run and it's great or I run and it's not. So I unfortunately was in the run and it's not. But I previewed and, and saw this play out in my head. And I said, if I start to hurt, I'm going to stop. And it wasn't a maybe or if it was I was going to stop. And I wasn't even going to, I decided not to do a shakeout run because I decided that I wanted to still experience putting on my clothes, going to the starting line, being around the excitement, seeing people like be, I wanted to be in it. And um, I got to see Meb and Desi up close as I ran by, like, and hear the music. It was really awesome. Um, unfortunately, by mile three, I started to feel achy and I 
probably could have gone further. I Maybe if it was a new injury, I probably would have kept going. But I knew I had promised myself I had walked through this. I had previewed it. I talked it out. I stopped at the first water station at mile three. And um, it was hard to leave Kathy. You know, I literally like threatened our friendship if she didn't <laughs> keep going. So she didn't abandon me. She did what she promised she would do. And she went on. And I, um, I walked back to the water station and I basically said, I can't go on. And I got a funny look because they're like, it's only mile three. Like, do you like not train? You know? <laughs> so it was like kind of like, it wasn't like folks that was like 18 and like stuff happens. It was mile three. But, um, you know, I, I just, and so I went under this tent and I um, met this amazing volunteer who hugged me. She gave me coffee. I got like this amazing, like hooded sweatshirt that said volunteer on it. So I started clapping for the people running by while I was waiting for the shuttle to come pick me up. And I said right now, I go, Julie, this is the moment. It's your mindset. What mindset are you going to pick? Are you going to cry? I mean, it's okay to cry. I cried a little bit. I called my husband and I worked through it. Um, and by the way, he was like, thank you for stopping. You made the right choice. Like, um, and I go, but I have a choice. I could just be really sorry for myself and don't worry. I like took a few minutes for that. Or you could look around you. You are looking like where you're at. And so I took the, where you're at and I started to see people running. And because the shuttle was at the very, very, very end, it was the sweeper. I got to see the last people and like, right. They say the most inspiring people are in the back and you see like the, you know, the handicapped people, you see people who are just like, it's their first one. So I started to clap and cheer and I was just like, my mood lifted. I mean it. And so then I hopped into the shuttle and these like two amazing people were like driving it and they're like, Hey girlfriend, get in the back. We've got <laughs> cookies and snacks and coffee. Alrighty. And I was like, this is awesome. So I mean, I'll speed up the the whole thing, but I guess I just want to say was that I chose to to talk to them and I chose to engage and I chose to ask questions because she was one of the race directors. So I was like, tell me more about this and how do you do that? And so I just decided like I wanted to learn and I wanted to be, I still wanted to be part of it because you know what? If I was to get depressed, it's like I already just put myself up against a corner and a wall and I've separated myself. It was like, I'm, I really want to still be with you all. I want to be part of it. And so I decided by being part part of it was that I was going to spectate. I was going to cheer. I was going to talk to people. Um, and then another, like, this is where I think God was looking out for me was that there was another friend who I'd been friends with online for like seven years from that very first half marathon where I was fundraising. I connected with her and we just chit chatted for years and she happens to live in Philly a mile from the start line. So I was chatting with her and she's like, where are you? I'm going to come find you. So she found her way to where the shuttle was going to drop me off to around like where I could walk back to the finish and she was waiting for me around on the corner so it was like this big bubble of excitement where I like I ran out of there and she had this big warm hug for me and I was just like I am so happy to see you and then it was like mindset right so now I'm going to focus on her and the fact that we get to hang out for a while and she showed me all like the sights and I got to see the Rocky Balboa steps and we got a picture near it and um, she showed me around and she introduced me to her friends and she basically showed me where to go because I have like no sense of direction. So, and she left me until it was time to find Kathy and Dana and Jeff. And so, and then by then I was like in mom mode. I was like stripping clothes off of Kathy and Dana. I was like trying to get them warm. It was like actually, cause I was physically okay. I was able to do that. And before, like when I finish, I'm like, a, like literally a hot mess. And I'm like, like deer in headlights girl. Like I want someone to do it for me. I've had so many people help me out of like wet clothes. And it was like, 
I felt really useful again, you know, and again, I was, I didn't, I was part of it. I was part of like what you needed and you needed and giving me jobs was like what I needed. Yeah. So honestly, like my husband keeps texting me or how are you doing? Are you okay? And I'm like, I actually really am fine. It took a turn. It was a plot twist, but it was like, it was the twist that I, like, I guess I really needed. So you know, I couldn't prepare for the exact scenario, but it went way better in my head than I thought it would be. Well, I think, you know, sometimes we focus so much on the thing that we're after or we're, we're there for. You forget that it's really about the experience, mm-hmm. right? And sorry to cut you off, but um, two things about Kathy. One is she gave me a wristband last night that says we can do really hard things, which has actually been my motto for a while that she didn't know. But today was one of those... <laughs> I can do really hard things and be okay. So that was one thing I wanted to say. And then, Kathy, can you tell about the end with the medal? Because yeah. that was hard for me, but, like, <laughs> you have to explain it. All right. I'm going to try to leave a lot of bleeping words out. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to say when she left me, but when Julie made the most wise decision to stop. And the toughest, I think. And that's, the that's toughest. Probably, that's Abs- really the toughest decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if only the listeners could see the big smile on my face while I'm listening to Julie talk about her experience and mindset. I was just, you know, of course, of course, I was very sad. I wanted to, you know, I told her, I said, I said, it's not, I don't have an agenda today. You know, I don't have an agenda. I want, I just want to run this marathon with you. And I, I knew, I knew the chances were, was was going to be there that you may not be able to run it and when you said I I have to stop you know I respect that decision um and I took one last glance and and the and I remember the first thing I said to myself was damn that was such a tough decision but I'm so proud of her so you get your ass to that finish line and you get her a medal (laughs) so you know, yes, we're, I'm at mile four and I'm trying to adhere to what my coach is, coach slash friend is telling me how to run a, um, a marathon. Um, but the whole time, you know, I, I was, you know, you were on my mind and I, I, I wanted to make sure, you know, that you were okay. And, and now hearing this, I'm just, I'm, my heart is just like so warm and fuzzy. <laughs> um, but anyhow, let's cut to the finish line. I, I got my medal and uh, well, while in a wheelchair, my signature move, by the <laughs> way, if anybody knows me. And um, uh, while I recovered, I, I said, okay, don't forget, you need to ask for a medal. And so once I got up from the wheelchair, I walked over to this, this gal who's probably like in high school. Um, she's volunteering and, and she, she looked at me with this sense of like, they're there's something wrong and the and my voice just automatically cracked and it and I became like a a blubbering mess I was like I know I'm not supposed to ask for this but 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 you know I have a girlfriend who flew in from New Hampshire and we met in Chicago it's such a different long story but anyways (laughs) she made the the hardest decision today you know she went to the starting she towed the line started with me and she made the toughest decision which is to stop 
because she was going to do more harm to her. And I'm like, but again, I know, I know I'm not supposed to. <laughs> and this girl's probably like, She's like just take it. Just stop talking. <laughs> no, I didn't even ask <laughs> no, her yet. Kidding. And I said, I know I'm not supposed to ask, but, and I, and I swear it's, I'm not, I don't want to for myself. I would give her mine, but I really want her to have it. So could I, could I ask her? Could, could you give me, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even make sense. Cause I'm like, practically dying and like I couldn't even think straight I said well what I'm asking is may I have a medal another medal for her and so she just I think I think she was gonna give it to me I think she was just like waiting for oh, you to finish finish for me to, like to I did I, I don't I, I she's so sweet she probably like I don't want to interrupt you but you probably could have just stopped at the first <laughs> word so she just kindly handed it to me and a part of me was just like, yes, it wasn't even me making my own goal. It was like, yes, I got her a medal. And I was just so happy. And so w when we finally reunited after I got my gear, um, like we're standing in the like sideway wind and rain at this point. And I said, Julie, I don't want you to say anything right now. But I want you to accept this. And I, I took You I saw pulled, my head. I shook I, it. Just I, so I you pulled, know, you can't I see pulled, me, but I, I went like out, this. No. I pulled out the medal and I said, <laughs> I said, you did one of the most toughest thing. Okay. I, uh, well, there was a bleeping word in there. There were like five and of them in you there. Bleeping need, words. <laughs> and you need to accept this because that was the hardest decision you've ever had to make. And I am just so proud of you. Um, that you even gave yourself permission to try it. And the fact that you stopped, that took so much courage. And I think that in itself, you deserve this medal. And Julie, of course, is like tearing up. I'm like kind of bawling. Um, and I don't understand why I, I was like bawling the whole time during like the last mile and a half. There's like no tears. So people are probably like, God, this girl's <laughs> anyways. So, sorry. I go off on a tangent, but I was just so happy that, that Julie understood what I was trying well, to convey and I, to And her. I think I had to talk it out and I said, listen, this is really hard for me to take because I didn't just run a marathon. I go, but you know what? I go. Every marathon has its journey and purpose. Mm -hmm. And I actually do want to hang this one up because it's a, it's symbolic. It's like, like a trinket. It's like mm -hmm. a, like you, you know, um, sort of a souvenir that when I look at that medal, I don't think about running 26.2. I think about the weekend I spent with you all. I think about Prashida, you know, I think about all the runners and the, the different experiences I had and that, you know, I can do really hard things, which is, I could have run through it, by the way. Mm -hmm. I know I could have. I could have made it happen, and in, in then, you know, not good things would have happened. But but it was like, I think I was like, I'm going to hang this up. I go, but I'm not counting it as my 17th marathon. It's, it's I still have done 16, but I'm going to take this as my special memory. So mm -hmm. it was like kind of hard, but once I sort of figured out wh how I was going to receive it, I wanted it so bad. <laughs> and then the medal's amazing too. It's I know. So cool. I, I told her too at, you know, while we're running like the first mile, I said, I really want you to get, take that Liberty Bell home. And this one is like a 3D with the Liberty Bell. And it, it like, actually rings. It's a bell. It's, it's a ring. It's yeah, so I can cool. stop ringing it when I Yeah, I know. I was like, Rob, could you please stop ringing it? It's very loud. <laughs> but that, you know, that's really what the, the medal should represent really is that experience right yeah. it's not it's not only 
you know, crossing that finish line. That's not because that's not what got you to that point even, you know. Right. Um so it's it's everything. So I think that's that's so fitting. Thank you know, you. And I'm glad you did accept because I, I know I'm sure Kathy already knew well ahead that you would you would first your first reaction would be no. I, Ew, my head was shaking I, like yeah, no 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 no. <laughs> It was it was like if you see a movie, it was like this dramatic scene where like the rain's pouring and there's wind and we're both crying and it was like take the metal and it's like you're at like you know the the peak of the the like you know and in the movie and you're just I don't know it's like it was so dramatic and like, take amazing it. No, just take, take it. it. No. I wish there was a photographer there when I did put it around your neck. No, it was and awesome. I you know I I want to say thank you for accepting it. Not. Yes, we understand you did not run the Philly Marathon, but I was just so happy that you accepted it because it told me that you understood that you did, yeah. you do, and you did something really hard today. And, um, you know, for me, that was just, thank you. That was just like the best part of my marathon today was, you know, you accepting that. And I was able to give that to you. Thank you. So it was, it was awesome. Very special. I know we can probably talk for, <laughs> for hours. So we're going to have to, we're gonna have to do a part two, I think, to this, this conversation. I'm sure we'll have many, many more. But I'd like to, before we bring it to a close, have a few kind of rapid fire questions. So first question. Um, when you're running, do you, would you say you are running from something or towards something? Ooh, can it be both? <laughs> I, know, that's yeah. not, I don't know if that's an acceptable Definitely. answer. I think You'll I'm, have to elaborate I now. run. I mean, I think because I run, um, because it's for myself, I'm kind of running to have my own space and my own time alone. So maybe if that's running from my normal routine and responsibilities and mom role mm-hmm. and professional role, so I run from that so that I can have my own space and time towards something is that I want my running to always be endless. And so I don't want there to be a definitive stop to it. And that's why I like, again, why I stopped today, because I want to run for life and not run for a race. And so I knew that by stopping means that I have more opportunities to run. So I run from, you know, sort of the stress and it really does help my mental health. Like I definitely, um, it, it does a lot of good for me mentally, spiritually, physically. Um, so I run f- maybe from, you know, the things that might kind of hold me down and I run towards more exciting opportunities and journeys. That's a great answer. When is your favorite time to run? Dark under the star, uh, stars in the moon, quiet when there's no cars in the street and just lampposts. Love it. If, and when life ever gets overwhelming, you know, how do you clear your head or kind of reset yourself? Or what do you do? Um, and like just in general? Just in general. And it doesn't have to be, I go out and run. Well, I mean, there's always a bottle run. of wine that's included in that, of <laughs> oh, course. That works. <laughs> um, being with friends, I think it just pulls me out of my funk. Um, my husband, I, I'm so lucky and fortunate to have someone I'm married to who's my best friend. And so... I can, you know, it's just getting some alone time with him. So I think, for, I guess I could keep circling back around to relationships is sort of what grounds me. Um, and that's why I choose wisely who I spend my time with, which, you know, I mentioned before is the quality of who I surround myself around is really what keeps me in a good place too. That's awesome. Where where would you say is your happy place? And it doesn't have to be a location. I mean, honestly, like 
sometimes just being at home on the couch a glass of wine and my family, you know, or having friends around. I'm just, I'm happy just being, you know, with my group of people I care about. What would you say to someone who's kind of felt beaten down or can't seem to break through kind of a particular hurdle? So, I mean, because I've experienced different phases where the goal isn't, was so important to me, I don't, I don't want to ever shut anyone down and be like, oh, that goal doesn't really matter. Only I think you have to be where you're at. And so I would encourage them if that goal is so important to you, don't give up that dream and goal. But like how you go about it, maybe is just be kind to yourself. I think I wish I was more kind to myself when I didn't reach it. I mean, I picked myself up and kept going, but I really was a lot of beating up too, which I just you know, it was probably more unnecessary, but at the same time, and this is just coming off of the emotions of today was really, I walked the walk today about mindset and it really works. It's okay to be upset. Like I'm not saying like, and I told this to Kathy earlier, I go, I know that I'm, I'm feeling okay with my choice and I genuinely feel happy. I go, but I am still sad. And I still feel that kind of like it was, you know, it's a bummer. Like, I, I, I would lie if I said it was like I removed all of that, you know, so allowing yourself to feel that, but then it's like how long and how deep do you want to go there? And so acknowledge you feel that way and then make your choice. And so I would tell that person struggling that it's okay. You're entitled to feel that. And so take the time you need, but then what, what choice are you going to make? And, um, so that's what I would say. What's one thing you try to teach um, or want your children to learn resilience that um, and also that navigating through a challenge is more is just as important as overcoming it and it getting better um, I want them to know that like I don't want them to purposely be put in like adversity and, and awful situations but that they're gonna happen and so I want them to go through it with courage and resilience and and um that's what I want them to know. And I think some of what I've done, I hope I'm modeling for them is to say, yeah, things are hard. They will be hard. Um, and so what's your plan? Cool. Kathy, did you have any other questions for Julie? No, actually, I don't have any questions. I just, I just really want to say that I actually learned so much from just your advice. I was like, gosh, you know, I was coming into this, by the way, our first podcast, I was, uh, you know, okay, what questions am I going to ask her? But I'm just blown away at how mindful you are. And just, I just love the one thing that you said is to be kind to yourself. And um, no, if anything, I've, I've learned so much about how to <laughs> be kind to myself. And yeah, but you know, I, I, I really don't have any questions other than I just want to say, God, I'm so happy we met in 20 right? in Chicago. Jeez. <laughs> Next time you're at a starting yes. line, listeners, look to your left and right, and you never know. Yep. Start up a conversation. They could be your Kathy. <laughs> or your Julie. Yeah. Julie, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Well, I just want to say how grateful I am for you to have me in your home and to welcome me. And um it's just been really a joy, like, and, and to get to know your family. And, um, and I'm really honored that you wanted to interview me um, as, my, as the first podcast. Um, so thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yes. I, I definitely, like Kathy, learned a lot. And I think uh, our audience will definitely take a lot of value from 
from all that you've said and hopefully uh, kind of internalize it and start to apply it in their own lives. So with that, uh, I'd like to thank the listeners for joining us. We'll we'll share in the show notes how you can maybe uh, get in touch with with Julie. I know she's out there on social, social media. media. Yep. Um, we'll have all that that information. Um, with that, we will say goodbye. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast. You can find show notes and other episodes as well as articles from many of our contributors on werunwithyou.org. You can also connect with us on social media at We Run With You on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to connect with Julie, she is at J-E-M Benson on Instagram and you can catch her blog on CocoElite.com. Until next time, keep doing good.